Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday, not our normal Monday podcast. We did Harvey Hyde. Had him on the show yesterday. Today, we're going to have Dan Weber move everything up a little bit because it's Thanksgiving weekend. Hope everyone's having a great start to the holiday season and uh, getting your shopping done. My wife was at the store yesterday and said it was a nightmare. So hopefully you get out there and get all the stuff that you need. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. All of our contact information is there. You can leave voicemails, emails. If you want to subscribe to the show, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. Uh, we're also on Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, uh, TuneIn Radio, all that kind of stuff. So uh, Google Play, anywhere you can get a podcast, you can basically find it. If you can't find it somewhere, let me know, and I'll make sure it's there. Um, and I just wanted to let uh, everyone know, we're going to have Dan Weber on right now, but I uh, just got a tweet as I was starting to record this. Dory Jackson was named one of the three national finalists for the Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, so that's pretty cool for best defensive back. Uh, so I don't know if you saw that, Dan, but that was uh, just came across the wire. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought it was interesting what uh, Clay on, on Sunday night was saying that, boy, I hope uh, nothing but all the awards that come through. Now, Dory's already one of the four finalists for the Horning Award. So, uh, you know, that's it's really uh that's great uh although i will i'm gonna say something that i got a, a text from somebody that was talking to an nfl scout and they are absolutely convinced and i will not disagree that a dory in the nfl is going to be an offensive player and a special teams player he's going to be a receiver how he runs the ball you know well i think the more we think about it, if I'm if I draft him, I'd rather use him as an offensive player. I really would. Ah, interesting. I know the defensive guys make more money, but if I'm going to make my team better, that all the things he can do with the ball in his hand, I think I think that's where he goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see. Off the top of my head, I mean, I'm just I've always loved his offensive ability. It's great that he's getting these, you know, potential awards, uh, and mostly they're multiple, you know, skill awards for, for doing things. I mean, I just love him just because of his practice habits and his leadership and his attitude, his upbeat attitude. I mean, you just can't, uh, ask any more of, of somebody, uh, you know, in the U- USC football program. He's just been sensational. He definitely has. And the whole program, Dan, has been pretty sensational over the last couple of months. Um, pretty crazy. Big win, uh, over UCLA. We have a lot of questions and stuff. Um, but maybe we wanted to get your thoughts first, uh, before we jump into the questions. Uh, pretty big win there for the, for the Trojans Saturday night. I think even more so because of the way, you know, the, how, uh, how they really got punched in the mouth. They really weren't ready to, to play. And, kind of had that sense that, you know, when you spend all week 
everybody telling you how great you look at Washington and how, you know, as close as these kids are to one another, they, they knew how difficult it was for UCLA to, you know, win football games against, you know, good teams and all that. And so uh, I thought the way they looked at that, I mean, it reminded you, and I know people say, oh, don't compare them to Pete Carroll era or whatever. But the thing that compares is, you know, Pete's teams had games where, you know, they had trouble you know, getting into the game, trouble getting started, whatever. But they never had trouble understanding that we're better than this team. They had confidence they could turn it around, and they could turn it up and turn it on when they had to. And that's what you saw the other day. You know, you saw, you know, a couple of give-ups, you know, uh, 14, uh, you know, points that they certainly didn't think UCLA was going to have early in the second quarter. And it didn't phase them. It didn't phase them any one way at all. They they started playing, you know, shut-down defense. I mean, they, what was that number? 21 to 1 first downs in the second and third quarters for USC. I wow. mean, they just totally took UCLA out of the game offensively and then uh, had people step up and uh, uh, Daquan Hampton and, and guys that, you know, haven't really gotten their, you know, opportunity to, to show what they could do. And when they got the chance, when Gigi gets banged up a little bit, they uh, come in and Isaac Whitney, the two junior college kids who, you know, took a year to get get organized, get in the system. But when their time comes toward the end of their second year to the end of their short college careers, they're ready to go. And uh, that's impressive, the buy-in that these players have had to the USC program. I mean, it's just that they could have bailed. I mean, if you look at what's happened at Notre Dame and UCLA, uh, it's it's probably easier almost to bail when things are going really bad. But they didn't for all kinds of reasons. And uh, I think USC fans should be should be really happy because I think that game almost said more about where the USC program is than had they gone in and you know won 50 to nothing. I, I thought that game said an awful lot about uh, you know that. This program has grown up uh, since September. Yeah, they certainly have. It's been a crazy couple of months. A lot of a lot of good things happening, and a lot of USC fans then are, are changing their tune. And we have one of them right here on a voicemail. So let me play it for you. Good morning, Ryan, Coach Hyde, Dan. Well, I know everybody's everyone's feeling good, the same as I am. Uh, boy, it's been beautiful to watch. Uh, the resurgence of the Trojans and seeing these guys well prepared. And I want to be the first one to admit that I was wrong so far about the coaching staff. Uh, I think uh, Coach Hatton is doing a marvelous job. Pendergrass and also uh, T. Martin, I think they're doing a great job. And it's good to see these kids well prepared. I hope they all stay in school, the ones that are not seniors and get their degree, and I think I believe that uh, we would really see something special next year. So congratulations, men of Troy. You deserve every bit of it, and fight on. Yeah, I think uh, I think you couldn't be more right about uh, deserving the credit for, uh, you know, this became, I think, in a lot of ways, Clay let this become a player's team. I think it was the uh, 
the players had the meeting where, you know, they talked about how far short they were, you know, falling of their expectations of themselves. The players were the guys who said, we're going to do more film study. You know, we're going to do everything we can possibly do uh, within our power to turn this season around. And I think at the same time, I think Clay and his staff were figuring out, you know, what do we have to do? Who do we have to do do it with? How do we, you know, focus on, you know, Clay is, you know, convinced if you, you know, you get the technique right, the fundamentals right, and your guys believe in it, and you go out there, you'll have the kind of success that will build on itself. And we've seen that, you know, they turn the music off and, you know, the practice is like a classroom or a lab. And uh, they're seeing the results. They're seeing the connection between what they're doing in practice and uh, what's happening in the games. And uh, you see that in special teams, for example. Uh, you just see a lot of uh, ways in which this team is helping one another get better. And uh, the payoff has been amazing. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, this is a team that believes in itself now. They believe in one another, and, you know, they believe in their coaches. And and that wasn't something that, you know, that anybody believed in, I think, for a while. You had to say, you know, was was this a, a big miss? You know, was was somebody who wasn't, hadn't ever coached a game in his life as a head coach uh, and a staff that, you know, kind of was put together and you weren't sure if all the pieces were going to go together. And then they went together. And... Uh, you know, it's just—it's pretty amazing that they've become. You know, you go from the September laughing stock and and the, the team everybody's pitying to now, the, you know, like it's—it's it's like if you watch TV, you watch the shows on whatever network, it's like the cool, smart thing to say. Nobody wants to play USC. You know, they're the team other than Alabama that nobody wants to play. I mean, it's the turnaround is 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 stunning and and. It's just pretty amazing. I don't know if I've seen anything quite as dramatic as the turnaround in this USC team from where they were at one and three and the way they were that one and three and where they are now. I, I can't, I can't really remember anything, you know, comparable. Um, yeah, it's, uh, a lot of years covering this team. Haven't seen anything like this. Uh, never see a quarterback change. They never do that. Um, so. It's not like there's some precedent that you can change quarterbacks and that'll fix things. Like it's never happened. Like what that, that we've seen since like maybe Carson Palmer, right? Like that's the last time. Yeah. I mean, I know that 96 team, did they go back and forth? Uh, uh, cause I was co- actually covering Northwestern then and that Rose Bowl. <laughs> and I remember, uh, you had, uh, the two big kids, uh, Otten, was it? And, uh, and Wachholz, yeah. Huh? And yeah. Wachholz, yeah. Wachholz. Like they were kind of both. Doing stuff, but, but until I, they, they would change back and forth, I guess. But yeah, I, I it's it's hard to remember. Yeah, there's not a lot of that going on at USC. I mean, you know, John David Booty breaks his pinky, and you have an NFL quarterback behind him, and Pete Carroll didn't want to put him in. You know, they didn't want to put Mark Sanchez in, so they've been very hesitant to uh, to do this. So yeah, very different. This whole year has been different. Um, crazy run. Let's uh, let's move on. John and Brea. He says, happy Thanksgiving to you and your entire Peristyle family. I was thankful for the Peristyle podcast and the work that you do. Well, we're thankful for you listening. Uh, John, thanks for that. He said, do you think Larry Scott will allow USC to once again become the dominant program in the Pac-12? 
The extra 30 players over three years that went to other Pac-12 schools aren't available anymore. Uh, as USC can now sign full recruiting classes, clearly the window of opportunity is closed for UCLA. Even mid, uh, mid-sanctions, USC never had a season like UCLA, Notre Dame, Texas, and Oregon are having this year. Is USC's current success just the Sam Darnold effect, or do you think that Clay Helton and staff can return USC to a championship-level program that dominates the Pac-12? Thanks for all you do. Fight on, John and Brea. Yeah, I think the... the... The Pac-12 thing might be over, uh, you know, in terms of USC, you know, giving up those 30 scholarships and giving up teams that took advantage of it. And then the shooting themselves in the foot with the, you know, the coaches hire, uh, you know, back-to-back mid-season coaching firings. I mean, uh, two years apart, which nobody's ever done. So, and that USC could go through all that and never have anything close to the years these guys are having or the year that Alabama had after their last really serious sanctions. Uh, that that more than anything, I think, says something about where USC is and what what you can get done at USC if you do everything right. Is is Clay, you know, the coach for, for the long term and all that? I think Clay would tell you, well, let's see. You know, you have to keep doing it. And, and, and there's different skill sets in terms of, you know, building the recruiting. You see guys who come in and do a really good job with somebody else's players. And they're a great, you know, kind of transition coach. And then when those players run out, uh, then you wonder, I mean, you know, people have said that about, you know, UCLA with, uh, uh, more coaching, uh, uh, Neuheisel's players or Helfrich, uh, at, at Oregon coaching, you know, Chip Kelly's players or, or whatever. You just, it's not easy to be at this level to, you know, sustain a program. But, uh, but I think the Washington game probably made the case to the Pac-12 that, you know, if USC is USC, we're all, you know, kind of fighting for second place or maybe that year where we, you know, really have a, a good program, kind of the way it used to be, um, that, that USC should, you know, with its tradition, its location, its all the, you know, the built-in things and then all the things about just, you know, where USC is a, is a school and, and, and the, and the, you know, the campus now and all the, all the things USC's got going for it. If USC does it right and everybody else does it right, USC wins. I mean, it's, pretty much that simple and uh so if clay's the right guy uh larry scott will just have to get on the usc bandwagon i think at the time i mean i think it was easy to be against you know kind of against usc at the time because of the sanctions because of usc's inability unwillingness to defend itself um it was it was kind of easy and then you know the hires uh made it easy. I mean, it was hard to be on USC's side when Lane Kiffin was your head coach. I mean, it was just not an easy uh, easy lift. So if you were Larry Scott, you probably would want to maintain an arm's length, you know, relationship. If I'm Larry Scott now, I want to be on the Trojan bandwagon because uh, it's going to do nothing but make the Pac-12 look good. I mean, this year right now, if they somehow, you know, get themselves into the top ten, that's a tremendous accomplishment for the Pac-12. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, compare yourself with uh, some of those other, you know, conferences out there, getting USC from where it was to, 
top ten is uh, is something the Pac-12 can just you know be bragging about like crazy. Uh, so so I think you know the way it goes in the future will not be like the way it you know was in the past. Uh, the Pac-12 is going to be on the USC bandwagon. Uh, let's uh, move on to Otis. He said. Uh, always a great win, owning L.A. for one more year. Uh, I was concerned with Sam's interceptions. Felt like he was forcing them, so I compared stats with Josh Rosen. He said Rosen in 2015 had 13 games, 22 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Sam Darnold in 2016, 10 games, starting 7 games, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. So, so after seeing this, those 6 interceptions don't feel so bad. That's from Otis. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point. You know, those six interceptions are pretty good. Uh, and as we were talking to T. Martin after the game, and he said, you know, he's aggressive. We want him to be aggressive. We don't want to take away that. Uh, and there are some things that, you know, you just have to, uh, have to accept. I thought it was great that Tyson Helton said that, you know, that was a bad play call. When he got the, uh, they got the double team and they came in front of him and, and Sam didn't see that coming. He, you know, he, he took more of the blame for that than, than Sam. The other one was, you know, Sam just trying to make a play. And, uh, those are the things he maybe has to figure out how to balance, Sam does himself, how to balance the, uh, ability to make a play and the opportunity to do so and, and kind of the risk reward a little bit. Uh, I mean, uh, he's, you know, he can do so many things well. He's so accurate on the run. He sees things on the run. He, uh, he, he sees things immediately. Uh, that there is a tendency, I think, at times to, I can make this play happen when you can't. And that's the, you know, the only thing. But yeah, I think statistically, uh, you just, you can't be uh, a starting first-year quarterback statistically uh, and do it any better than than you know Sam has, uh, and, and he you know he does so many things well that you know at times we maybe realize oh wait he's kind of human a little bit, uh, and we have such high expectations of him because he does make it look. I mean. When he gets any kind of pass rush, any kind of blitz, whatever, we just assume he's not going to get sacked because he gets sacked so so infrequently. I mean, it's just almost impossible, as Jim Moore was saying. Until you see him in person, you don't quite realize. Uh, but, you know, that Tack McKinley leading the nation in sacks, I'm not sure, you know, he'd have had to throw something at, uh, at Sam to, to touch him. Uh, the other night, I mean, he just was was a non-factor, and um, I think when you see him in person, you realize he doesn't care where you're coming from, what numbers you're coming with, whatever it does, he's going to use it uh, to his benefit. He's going to, you know, it'll play. He could do whatever, whatever comes his way. So, if you're playing like that, and if you're Sam, the world looks like a place where you can almost make every play. You can't quite, but man, uh, he, he does, uh, I mean, he, you know, his pass completion rate is, is higher against the, you know, the rush, uh, than, than, it, than without it. I mean, he just, those are just opportunities for him. And, uh, 
he's such a positive thinker, you know, that I can make this play happen, I can make that play happen, that, you know, that stuff's happening so fast out there, there will be a time or two where you won't quite see the guy uh, and um, and you're going to give the ball up, but his numbers aren't bad. Not at all. Um, let's see. Don wrote in. He said, good win. Dominating performance by SC. Uh, no, he said dominating performance, but SC needs to find a way to put more points on the board. Dory basically has given up the last three touchdowns by the opposition. Not basically, actually has. Um, he seems to get beat too often. I believe his NFL stock is going down. Uh, I would disagree with that. Uh, compliments to coordinators for adjusting within the game. Helton should be praised for digging in and saving the season. I hope that the Trojan family treats Stevie Tuikolavatu well when he retires from football, possibly after a short NFL career in his future. Deep receiving core is showing its ability. Go Utah from Don. It's kind of all over the place there. Yeah, Don might be a little more the glass is half empty uh, than I am. I, I I tend to, you know, look at that glass and say, yeah, it's kind of half full. And uh, 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 you know, the, the Adore thing, he didn't look like he had quite as much energy last week. And he, nobody would say anything and whatever. He just didn't look like he had quite that burst, quite that explosiveness, uh, and. My guess is he wasn't 100%, and I have no idea why, and I don't have anything to back that up other than just watching him. He just didn't quite look uh, like a dory. And still, he's out there, you know, busting his tail and, and doing anything they ask of him. And uh, so I might not focus quite as much on that when I look at the overall way those games are going. And, and I look at the fact that, you know, he might have a – uh, not the greatest start here or there, and yet when you look at the end, uh, you realize, wow, that guy that was so hot at the beginning for the other team, he just disappeared. You know, he didn't catch any for the last three quarters or whatever. And um, so that, that's kind of how I, you know, they play the game for four quarters, and you look at the whole four quarters, and I don't know that you look at, you know, just just this part of it or that part of it, and uh, and, and I think we'll, it'll be very interesting to see where what happens with the Dory, um, you know, in the NFL. I think you're right about Stevie. I think he deserves just a ton of credit. He's been so good for this team. I mean, they they really got a great break when he came this way. And uh, the difference between this defensive line, you know, in August before Stevie got here and how they're playing right now is is it's just amazing. I mean, they, they, they're so solid and, and tough minded. And, uh, I think one of the posters, Chase in, in, in New York City or NYC, Chase at NYC did the stats and he said, if things go the right way in the Colorado Utah game and the Washington game, I guess, um, USC could end up the year as the leading leader in the Pac 12 in both total offense and total defense. That's just amazing. I mean, and that requires so many players to step up and, and, and do things the right way after September. To, to think that after September, you'd have a chance to lead the Pac-12 with both total offense and total defense is just, that's, it's, you know, mind blowing that, that those guys came around like that. So, uh, so I, 
have a lot of good things to say about an awful lot of these, uh, these players. Yeah. Um, for sure. Plenty of good things to say. Let's see. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Sergeant Rodney Strong in Fort Lewis. He was, uh, talking about the, the sanctions and stuff and USC coming back like we had in the other questions. So thanks for writing in, uh, Sergeant Rodney and thanks for your service. Um, Wes in, uh, Rancho Santa Fe says, I just started listening to the podcast this year. Well, welcome. And I needed to hear what was going on with these losses and the new coach. Uh, I was one of the doubters early on and thought that, uh, Clay Helton was the worst choice ever. I think he has done a great job turning things around with Darnold's help. Uh, but starts like this week are what keep me from completely jumping on the bandwagon. The coaches have to be able to get the players up for a game, especially a rivalry game. They came out flat and didn't expect UCLA to be ready to play. What's up with that? Uh, the good thing was that they came back and we can't be a top tier team, uh, and, st- but, and start games like that. Thoughts? Thanks for the podcast and therapy. That's Wes in Rancho Santa Fe. He's a class of 2001. Wes, uh, uh, I'm guessing you were probably not watching the SEC Network with uh, Chattanooga taking it to Alabama last week. Uh, FCS school Chattanooga. Uh, it happens. I mean, really, it does happen. It's, it's college football. It's a big challenge every week. Um, you know, you can say, oh, the UCLA game is a big game, but these kids are watching what's happening with UCLA. They know how well they played against Washington or how well they prepared. I thought they had nothing but good practices. I thought their practices last week and uh, the focus and the energy, I thought was great. Sometimes stuff just happens in games. You know, let's face it, uh, on the first touchdown, the last touchdown, you know, you've got kind of a miscommunication between uh, Adoree and uh, and Jenny. And, you know, it just happened. Uh, and then, you know, Sam makes his mistake. So that's two, you know, little things that aren't major in this case. You know, two touchdowns. The, to me, the takeaway, the fact that, you know, they've been playing from ahead and life has been good and everything's been cruising. And here they were behind a couple of times and unexpectedly so. And, I looked at the, you know, the game and, and thought, you know, that, that's a good lesson for everybody. And it's a good lesson that they know they can, uh, you know, come from behind. And should it have been, you know, 50 to 7 or something? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, when you look at, look at the stats. Uh, but, uh, you know, stuff happens. Would I like to see them not, you know, leave points on the board? Yeah. I mean, really. And this team does that a little bit. Uh, but, uh, I think in general, you look at, you know, you look at the whole game, you look at the whole season, you look at the arc of, you know, where this is going. And, uh, I'm not sure there's anybody who hasn't come out a little flat, anybody who hasn't, you know, underperformed uh, a little bit in this season. I mean, when you look around the country, everybody, uh, you know, has those moments. So I think it's the ability to come back from them, the ability to, uh, not let them throw you off. The ability to just keep, you know, to play through it. So I, in a lot of ways in evaluating that game, the ability to play through that, I think was more important than, you know, you know, knocking them off 50 to nothing. I think I, I really like the way they did that. So, so I kind of look at that as a, as, as a real plus for last week. Let's go to uh, Tank. He says, do you think that USC running game will miss a beat? 
with the loss of Justin Davis in the offseason. Sedware looked impressive in limited duty, and Ronald Jones looks to be hitting his stride. From tar- I'm sorry, I said t- I said tank. It's Tarek. <laughs> that was so weird. He writes it every week. I don't know how I screwed that up, but Tarek. <laughs> yeah, Tarek. Uh, oh, and I did mention. Uh, I'm glad uh, for Sergeant uh, Robbie there um, uh, in Fort Lewis. I'm glad USC got to come back to Washington a week ago and win win one for him. So uh, yeah, that's to, nice. You know, to say congratulations to him. Uh, you know, uh, we're getting to see uh, now that he's his collarbone is healed up. We're getting to see a little bit of Avi Malapai, and I think he's a candidate to give him. Uh, Somebody that can do a little bit of both. He can do the, you know, he, he had a one explosive play the other day, uh, against the, I guess it was against the first team defense, uh, touchdown run up the middle and, uh, showed me a real burst. And with his size and where he's going to be, he's going to be kind of one of those middle, middle of the pack guys, kind of like Stanley Havili size wise and speed wise and skill wise. And he might be able to give you, you know, a fullback who can actually, uh, you know, not catch the ball, run the ball, and block for people. So I think he, uh, you know, gives them almost something that they haven't exactly had this year, and a nice compliment to uh, you know, the two Texas kids, uh, you know, Rojo and, and Sed. So, uh, so I think, you know, they're moving in the right direction with with him. Uh, you know, being a re- he'll be a redshirt freshman next year, and uh, I like the looks of that. Let's uh, let's go to Joseph in Monterey. Uh, he says, as always, love the coverage from you and the team with USC football. Uh, this question is for Dan. Uh, if Coach O doesn't get hired as the ball coach for LSU, do you think uh, he'll be a company man and join the staff at LSU if he'll offer to stay, or do you think that Helton? can bring him on as an assistant defensive coordinator and coach with uh, Kenichi Udezi. Uh, there's obviously some familiarity between Helton and Orgeron. What do you think? I think it would be huge plus for recruiting and the program to have him on the team. Granted, he, ju- he did just say, forget USC for not keeping him, but that administration is gone. Thanks again. Fight on. Joseph and Monterey. Well, that's a really interesting subject, and um, my guess would be at LSU might be hard for a new administration, I mean a new coaching group to come in and keep Coach O. I just think uh, um, for all the positives, uh, you have the fact that he was the head coach, and, and similar to the way it was at USC, uh, I think there's enough separation at this point that, and I mean, I think the the place where Coach O would really help a program like USC if he came back would be as uh, as recruiting coordinator. I mean, I think it's asking an awful lot of T. Martin to be able to be offensive coordinator, uh, wide receiver coach, and kind of being the the key guy uh, recruiting going forward. I think that's was such a natural place where Coach O was just, you know, at the top of his game and everybody else's game. Uh, I think the thing that, you know, might have held him back uh, for this past year where, uh, you know, Coach O loves USC. I mean, I think that the stuff that went on was more personal between 
what he had been told by the administration and then what they actually did. And that was one of those kind of things of, of just between them and not, I mean, he, I think, you know, loved USC so much. Uh, he just, uh, it was more, uh, of not being, you know, told the truth. And, uh, so at that point, uh, I don't know that, you know, help or Clay, you could bring him back in the first year. Now that if Clay has the kind of year that it looks like he's building to, is Clay in a place where he, he could say, you know, I, you don't have to have somebody here who you're looking over your shoulder at or the fans love him or, or whatever, or a good part of the fans love him and are going to be, if, if there's trouble, they're going to immediately be saying, well, why don't we do, turn it over to Coach O. Uh, so you, you need a few other things to happen in terms of the staff. And, you know, you have to make sure that, that it's going to work for everybody on the staff. And, you know, there are personal uh, considerations between people who are coaching together or have coached together and all that. If you can work all of that out, if you could figure out how how would say uh, Coach O and Kenichi work together, what would the you know the relationship and the you know the duties and all that be? Uh, uh, I don't see it as a coordinator. I don't think Ed you know wants to be a coordinator. That's not his skill set. Uh, so I don't think it should be out of the realm of possibility if things all fall you know in one one way or the other. I think it, it should be something that USC should be in a position to consider. I mean, it's what you see Nick Saban doing at Alabama. He's kind of, you know, stockpiling staffers, you know, whatever titles they give them and whatever coaching responsibilities they can have. And, and, and you see Urban Meyer doing that at Ohio State. So I think if you really want to be one of those elite programs and there's somebody out there who could really, really help you in an area of need. I mean, I think, for example, why is Urban Meyer so smart, such a great coach? He needed an offensive coordinator a couple of years ago, and he went and found a guy at Iowa State who I don't think he had any connection with, and yet, or not a not a like a direct personal connection, he went and found Tom Herman, and he got himself a national championship as a result. Uh, with that one year, that one, one pick of one assistant coach. And that's what I think the great coaches do. So, uh, I would keep it on the table. I would say, you know, let's look at it, think about it. Is it possible? And what do we have to do to make it work if it will work for USC? Yeah. So, good question. Let's, uh, let's go to Stephen Poway. Do you know why Juju Smith Schuster was allowed to keep playing again and again on Saturday? After being injured and even limping onto and off of the field between plays. Actually, I can understand why he would want to keep playing since he has uh, fallen into relative obscurity this season and hasn't had a signature game all year. But why would the coaches keep letting him play since they can find outstanding substitute receivers faster than you can say, quote unquote, Daquan Hampton? Uh, fight on Stephen Poway. And I'll, I'll add one thing, Dan. They brought him back in. He was limping and they, they threw like a, passed to him in the flat basically said now go outrun people or juke people when that really wasn't going to be the strength of his game at that point so that that did seem a little weird to me yeah i i would definitely agree i mean at one time we were thinking he wasn't going to get off the field fast enough because he was limping so badly on a play where i think he made the catch 
Uh, and yet, you know, I think he, he catch the first four passes, four passes in the game. I mean, there, there are things, you know, he's, it's just, he's juju. And it's probably hard to tell him no. Uh, and you could say, oh, uh, you know, Nick Saban to tell him no. There's something about juju that his personality is such that, that stuff that you see him doing, you wouldn't see anybody else do. Uh, I might have told him no. Uh, I certainly would have told him no on, on a couple of those times he was in there. And I certainly might not have called the plays, although they, they went to him in plays. I thought, well, that's crazy. And he made the play. You know, I might not have had him run in a wide receiver reverse or whatever the heck, you know, uh, there were some things I probably would have taken off the table with him out there. Uh, and, and you know, you got to make a tough decision every once in a while. For example, as you say, I mean, I wouldn't say ever that Juju has worked his way into obscurity. Uh, that's, you know, I, I almost make a request. I think if you want to praise somebody like the Quan Hampton, who we can't say enough good things about the way he's practiced, the way he's gotten himself into shape, the way he's worked on his hands, all the things he does in practice, all the things he's done for this team, to be ready to step up when they needed him, and he did. Uh, but you don't probably have to do that by putting down somebody else, you know? I just think it's good enough to say, what a great job, you know, Daquan Hampton and Isaac Whitney do, even though maybe, you know, their college career hasn't worked out exactly the way they, you know, they thought it might. And I think there might be a place at the next level for Daquan Hampton. I think he's got the skill set that could play on Sunday. Uh, but, um, and so the more opportunity those guys get, I think the better. Uh, and maybe, you know, in order for that to happen, do you have to maybe tell Juju sometimes, no, why don't you, you know, rest, rest the rest of this game? Um, that might be the way to go. But I wouldn't make it a, a, a negative thing. Juju is Juju. And, you know, the players just shake their head. He's just one of a kind. Uh, sort of a, you know, a kid in terms of his enthusiasm for playing and his ability to get, you know, banged around and, you know, look like, man, he, this is the end. And then he bounces back and, uh, there he is again. And, you know, you almost can't generalize from, uh, from Juju. He's kind of his one of a kind. Um, he's in his own world and, uh, it's, I don't know <laughs> how that all goes between the coaches and Juju, but it's it's uh, it's different. We got uh, two more for you, Dan. First, Neil in Manila. Do you guys think Rojo can crack the thousand-yard rushing mark this year? Two to three games left. He has 893 yards. And do you think that Michael Pittman is the next star receiver at SC, following following in the footsteps of Woods, Lee, Aguilar, and Smith Schuster? Does he remind you guys of Mike Williams? Awesome game against uh, the rivals. I panicked at the start, but the response shows how special this team is. Thanks and fight on, Neil and Manila. Well, Rojo better get a thousand yards, a thousand yards at this point. Uh, I think that they got to be able to run the ball, and I think for that to happen, uh, you know, it starts with Rojo. Um, as far as Michael Pittman, I, I mean, I think. Again, I think Mike, Michael Pittman is Michael Pittman. He's not exactly like anybody we've seen. I, I think it's unfair to compare anybody to Mike Williams. 
he was he was a wide receiver whose physical dominance was just ridiculous. That we haven't seen anything like that, uh, and we're not likely to see anything like that. I don't think as a freshman sophomore. I, I just don't know that it's it's possible to have that. But that that being said, uh, Michael Pittman's his own guy, and he does things. Uh, he does a lot of things. Well, I I just love the way he plays on special teams. Uh, I love it that he. He's a physical kid. He's, uh, 6'4", 215, so he's, he's not gonna be the 230, 230 plus pounds that Michael was, but, uh, um, got a lot of, a lot of, you know, potential, a lot of skill there. And, uh, I mean, he, you're gonna have to fight Deontay Burnett, though, I think, if you wanna be the, the lead dog in that wide receiving core, cause there's a kid that just has, uh, you know, he has all that, all the skill that you could ask for, and um, and you, if you're a USC quarterback, you have to trust him with everything. He just he makes any play. I mean, he just so uh, so. I think you know, I think Michael will be in the mix, uh, no question about it. But I think I think Deontay will be more that Robert Woods type guy, and uh, and. And Michael will be a very valuable wide receiver, but you know the depth is is tremendous, and there are three or four guys that none of you all have seen uh, have been redshirting this year that all have you know special contributions they can make. So uh, it'll be a different cast of characters, and be it'll be exciting to see uh, what these wide receivers look like next year. But Michael Pittman will, you know, he's gotten his chance this year, and. Uh, you know, he and he and Deontay will be uh, a pretty pretty formidable. Uh, you know, one-two punch uh, there. We're not sure what what's going to happen with Stephen Mitchell, uh, but uh, said uh, saw him on his cart the other day, and I said, you know, how are you go- doing? He, he said he doesn't need his cart, but he doesn't want to give it up. He said it's too cool to, to <laughs> give up, but he's like practically a hundred percent in a lot of the things he's doing after his surgery. So. Looks like he's coming back, uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty strong. So, uh, you, you could put him back in the mix too for, you know, that senior leadership if he chooses, you know, to do that. One last one for you, Our buddy Nick, uh, from Cyprus. He said, uh, happy early Thanksgiving. Also, it's awesome to own UCLA the past two years. Feels, so, feels so much better than the three years previous to that. Uh, my question is off topic of football. It's about basketball. What are your thoughts on the teams uh, three games into the season, especially with the last-second uh, game steal from Texas A&M? Fight on. Love what you guys do. Well, glad you asked, Nick, about basketball, because uh, I'm watching that game. I'm talking to Jordan Moore about it at the UCLA game. <laughs> and I'm saying, you know, they played the, the all-out scramble, full court, you know, getting their faces, transition, Shoot the three. Da, da, da. They did that for about, you know, two to three minutes each half. And they went on a big run each half. And against a big, strong, but kind of lumbering Texas A&M team with some talent playing at home, but without a lot of, you know, ball handlers and guard play and didn't like to be speeded up. And I kept thinking, what if they'd have done that, you know, like five or six minutes each half? Wow, what would they have done? You know, I mean, they just 
blistered them once they did it. This is a USC team that might be, you know, more physically gifted in terms of running the court, playing, uh, you know, transition, uh, you know, forced turnovers, uh, you know, run the court, beat people down the floor, shoot the open threes, uh, in transition. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential. I think the Mountain Kid, the freshman guard is just, uh, you know, he's the real deal. And, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they decide to use their skill set. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like, uh, you know, those Jerry Tarkanian teams where, you know, they deny, deny and run and run. And, um, if they can figure out how they want to do that, uh, they can be pretty good. I don't think they can beat a lot of good teams if they play them in half court basketball. Uh, they're just not, physical enough. I mean, they're a physical team in terms of running, jumping, long arms, all of those things. But they're not a physical team if they if they if the other team gets them on the blocks and powers the ball into the basket and all that. That's not what they do. So uh it's gonna be a chess match every game. Can USC play that way that they need to play enough to get the other team out of their game, uh, out of their half court game. And, you know, last year I thought they did it at times. And then there were times, you know, they, di- they didn't do it. I, I mean, I'm really looking forward. I can't wait to see, uh, the UCLA games this year with, with the talent that UCLA has and, and the way they they like to, you know, run the court. And, uh, after losing four to UC- USC last year, uh, they're not going to be very happy, uh, facing USC again. And uh, so, looking forward to those games, but but um, they got a they've got a chance. I mean, they, there is real talent on that team. Uh, not a lot of numbers, not a lot of experience, but a lot of talent and a lot of physics, a lot of stuff that they can do that most teams can't. I mean, they can really run the court, and uh, they can they can shoot the three when it's not necessarily out of their half-court offense. I'm not crazy about their half-court offense or defense, but I love the way they transition. So so I'm, I'm kind of upbeat, and at the same time, I'm kind of like, gee, can they make it happen? Um, they didn't, you know, they did it just enough to win uh, at Texas A&M, but can they do it enough to beat good teams, uh, you know, for the long haul? Uh, I don't think we know that yet, but we know they got a chance. All right, Dan. Well, great stuff. Thanks for uh, joining us again a day early, and uh, we'll be back out in the practice field tomorrow in a you know Thanksgiving week and getting ready for Notre Dame. Yeah, I can't wait, and I hope the Notre Dame part of the week doesn't get lost because uh, nothing else happens for this team if the Notre Dame doesn't happen. And let's face it, this is Notre Dame's bowl game. This is you know Notre Dame's got a lot of. If you look at some of the NFL, you know projections in that there's an awful lot of nfl talent on this notre dame team what the heck happened this year i don't even think they know i don't think anybody knows uh but you know they they could go out in a feeling pretty good about themselves if they can uh if they could you know figure out how to get it done saturday so uh you know i think everybody has to i know there's all kinds of other things going on colorado utah and you know is it better to go to the conference championship game or, or bypass it and all that kind of stuff? But none of that matters if they don't get.
get the Notre Dame game right Saturday, which is why I'm kind of glad they're playing at 12:30. Get that game over with and let the rest of whatever's going to happen in the world of college football happen. But uh, but uh, who would have ever thought we'd be going into a Notre Dame week and trying to remember, remind everyone that don't forget about Notre Dame. You know, they matter. You know, don't forget the Notre Dame game. I mean, it's like last week. Who would have ever thought back-to-back weeks you'd have to remind people, well, don't take UCLA and Notre Dame for granted. <laughs> like, what world are we in when we're having to think like that? But it's, it's kind of reality, but it's, it's a reality of a year that's just crazy. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Thanks again for coming on and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.